This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. From the corporate office to the cab of a truck, they're here to inspire and empower women in all professions. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy DeCaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in every profession and lifestyle. Whether you're at home, in the office, or in the cab of a truck, we help power you on the road to success. We tackle all kinds of topics and work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions. I'm Shelley. And I'm Kathy. No topic is taboo on our rig. We tackle the tough topics along with the not-so-tough topics. And we like to feature experts and celebrities who can assist women in being the very best they can be. It's estimated that U.S. businesses lose more than 200 million workdays each year due to depression. This is a serious loss in productivity. Michelle Dickinson is a passionate mental health advocate, TED speaker, and published author of a memoir entitled breaking into my life. It's a glimpse into her childhood of living with and loving a bipolar mother. She spent years trying to eradicate the stigma that's associated with mental health issues in the workplace. She's worked tirelessly to elevate compassion, encourage open conversations, and lead real change into how mental illness is understood in the workplace. She knows firsthand what it feels like to struggle with a mental illness after having had her own depression. Michelle's with us today to discuss this important topic. Mental health in the workplace and how it's handled is so very important, and we wanted to discuss it, so we invited Michelle with us. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome, Michelle. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. I guess what we could do is maybe start with how all of this evolved. You really are doing marvelous things to create awareness about mental health issues. Yeah, I mean, thank you. Thank you again. I mean, for me, it's all about how do we get ahead of mental illness? Um, You know, my my story, as you shared, is that, you know, I have a tapestry of mental health issues and challenges in my in my past with my mom being bipolar and then struggling with my own depression. But I learned so much along the way that I really am deeply committed to helping people preserve their mental health because, Oftentimes when we hit burnout or we hit a crisis, it's it's hard to crawl back from that. So I think what we need to be doing is getting ahead of it and really helping people learn strategies to boost their resiliency. Do you think workplaces are making progress in this whole area? I do. I mean, I'm very optimistic. I have several clients that are really conscientious about the kinds of culture uh, that they're promoting. Um, just from fundamentals and stress management and um, having leaders lead with more empathy and compassion, normalizing the conversation, making resources easily accessible, and even providing services like I provide uh, coaching because coaching might be the first step for someone actually getting into see a clinician. Mm -hmm. So I do, and I'm very optimistic. I think COVID shined a light on it and it's a good thing um, that we're emerging in a, in a little bit of a different world with a different conversation around uh, well-being. I've read in different places that COVID really increased a lot of mental health issues. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not 
it's not normal for us to be quarantined in our homes, separated from other people. I mean, there's a lot of impacts, the magnitude of loss, whether it was loss of life, loss of routine, loss of financial stability. A lot of people for the first time had experienced some type of difference in how they were feeling because of COVID. So it's forcing people to talk about it and more and more athletes are talking about it. That's good. It creates a safe space for us to feel like we're, you know, we're human. Um, so, yeah. I know that in my own workplace, uh, you know, there's about 7,000 people in the, the whole site, the mine that, that I work at for Imperial and Exxon Mobile. And pre-COVID, mental health, you know, wasn't really discussed or I mean it was a little bit nothing you know to to you know call home about but it's since COVID I mean it's the forefront of the company's um I guess the whole company's what would you call it uh I guess the front it's just at the forefront of what, what we do now we have counselors on site because here at work if it wasn't bad enough being quarantined here but even though like the mines still work we would get to camp for 16 days and your own your you weren't allowed out of your rooms unless you go straight to the dining room and back you had to eat in your room you had you weren't allowed to exercise like you couldn't go out so it was very very hard on the workers so now they brought counselors on site. They bought it. They built us a whole brand new gym that we have all sorts of different um, resources available to help people deal with with uh, with the mental health breakdown that that occurred through COVID. And it's I've I've noticed a big change in my coworkers. You know, so yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, but isn't it refreshing to see? You know the actions being taken. I think that's what I get excited about, right? Like so many of my, of my um, corporate clients, you know, they now offer a whole host of resources for their staff and that gives me a lot of hope. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because when like, I I wrote a book called dream big and when it prior to coming out, because my life is, was filled with lots of trauma and abuse. And I mean, I was a nurse, but everybody in, in, in my nursing community, nobody knew of all the trauma and all the issues that I was having at home, like domestic violence and just, you know, all this stuff. And so everything was, was hidden. So when I got to work at this new, you know, job, it's all these big tough guys and I was very few women. And I, I wrote my book, I wrote it for, for women in shelters and youth. And as it was about to come out, I'm like, oh my God, everybody at work is going to know all about my mental health, right? All about, you know, my depression, about my alcoholism, about just everything. Well, I had panic attacks for like three days straight until I realized, I'm like, wait a minute, Missy, don't you tell me that these big tough guys don't have problems, right? That they don't have you know, there might be, you know, health issues, there's cancer, there's maybe they've been sexually abused, maybe their sister has been raped, you know, maybe there's something. So what I did, um, because at the time, this was in 2017, everyone was having superficial conversations in, in the shacks and in the halls. Oh, hey, how's it going? What'd you do on days off? How's the weather? You know, oh, oh what'd you buy? Like all this superficial crap. And I am not one to, to, to talk like that. I want, I want to have a real conversation. So what I did is I went in front of my whole crew, 170 guys, and there was like, what, six women at the time. And I'm like, you see, I put a picture of the cover of my book, which is the truck and me. And I'm like, you see that book? I said, it's not about mining. It has nothing to do with mining and so I said I I proceeded to tell them my what I dealt with and I said I'm only telling you because I don't want you to hear it from third-party gossip 
And I'm telling you, because I'm not asking you to read my book, but I would rather you buy the book and pay it forward to someone who's struggling with depression or anxiety or, you know, anger management or, you know, or whatever, you know, learning about boundaries, codependency, loneliness, um, you know, low self-esteem. I said if because that is what the, the, the hallway should be talking about, you know. So what that did, Michelle, oh, my God, it opened up a whole new pathways of these big, tough guys coming to see me, you know, tattooed from head to toe, coming to talk to me about how they have two, you know, two kids that are that are really struggling with, you know, cutting or, or, mm -hmm. or whatnot and how my book has helped them and they want to purchase it. So now I had people from every single department coming to talk to me and we're having real conversations in the workplace. Yeah. <laughs> Priceless. That's so important. Michelle, I guess what I wanted to know is what motivated you to do all of this? Did you experience some sort of stigma with the mental health issues and in your experiences? And in what was going on in the workplaces that stigmatized yeah. people? Yeah, I've been an entrepreneur for two years, but before I left, I spent 19 years in the pharmaceutical industry. And I'd say the last year I was there in my former company, very large international pharma company. Uh, I That was a, the point of my um, divorce when I was diagnosed with depression. And I was also simultaneously help, helping to build um, the largest, fastest growing employee resource group at the company, international that resource group specifically focused on uh, people with mental health challenges or who had loved ones at home that they were supporting. So I had been doing a lot of work in the space and the company was putting in the effort to, um, to just do more for mental health. But my immediate supervisor was the person that really uh, caused me to look at this because she didn't, react to my disclosing my depression with the level of compassion or with support. It was sort of, I don't know. I didn't feel, I didn't feel it was very, um, I didn't feel very supported and I definitely didn't feel empathy or compassion from her. So that was the turning point for me that said, you know, I could do more to make a difference and help leaders know how to react, know how to support, know what to say, what not to say. You know, in my performance review, I was told you didn't bring your bubbly, upbeat self to work every day. You know, those were the things that really what uh, catapulted me into the direction of I'm going to create my own company. I'm going to create more compassion in the workplace. I'm going to reach leaders and help leaders understand that they have a very critical role in this. And then COVID hit. So, and now we expect leaders to just know organically how to support their staff in a, in a post-pandemic world, which is ludicrous. Sure. So, so now I'm part of, I, I like to believe that I'm part of the solution. I help leaders understand what does it mean to support a staff member who might be struggling? What can you say? What shouldn't you say? What are the best, um, you know, recommendations that you can make? Um, so I think that there's a lot of work to be done, but yeah, unless I was, I mean, I, I may have landed where I am, but to be totally honest with you, feeling what it felt like to be met with a lack of compassion was really what lit the fire under me to do more. Bravo to that. 
because that's exactly what was needed. And you were ahead of everything and, and really ready to hit the, the ground running after the pandemic to help managers know how to deal with this. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. I find it interesting, after all the decades where people would go to counselors and so forth, I know it was stigmatized to go to a psychologist or a counselor back in the 50s and 60s, but you'd think that companies would have been more proactive in understanding when their mental health issues. It just is part of life. Just yeah. And yeah. why is it that we've been deficient in that area? You know, I think in the case of my supervisor, well, first of all, you have to get that your people leaders are the face of the company. They're the ones that your staff are interacting with every single day. And their experience resides with that individual leader. And individual leaders come to the table with their own stuff, right? Sure. And their, their own, own biases. their own biases, right? Like I had, I remember having a very spirited conversation with my girlfriend who was like, her fundamental belief was that it, that mental health was a cop-out and that she just wanted people to work. And I was like, are you serious? Like you're part of the problem, right? But no, that shined a light on the fact that she had her own biases to mental health and mental illness. So how, how she believed in her biases is how she leads. And so we can't expect every people leader to be able to demonstrate the kind of compassion that your company would hope that they would unless unless they're aware of their own mental health biases and their own relationship to their well-being and what are they doing to care for themselves and are are they modeling good mental health hygiene like it's so important and we we just can't make the assumption that that they know and they're equipped we have to help them absolutely Yeah, you're right. You don't know what people are bringing to the table. They could have been taught, hey, just suck it up, buttercup. Uh, That that kind of an attitude where you just keep going and you don't let it get you down. Well, (laughs) that is unrealistic. Now, what is considered good mental health hygiene? I know that that's that's kind of a big term when people are doing this in the workplace. What what does that uh, entail? It's interesting. You know, I mean, that's it's basically taking care of yourself and it's the resilience work that I do to be totally honest with you. Um, when I say demonstrate mental health, good mental health hygiene, it means modeling what it looks like to care for yourself, right? Like we have leaders that, you know, put on a mask that they have it all figured out and they go home and crumble or they go home and yell at their partner or they treat their kids like crap. Right. It's literally having a handle on what do I need to nourish myself every day so I show up the best version of myself, whether it's at work or at home. So if you as a leader are practicing these things, you're taking care of yourself, you're getting the exercise you need, you're eating well, you're getting enough sleep, you're not 
you know, you have these boundaries between home life and work life. You have some joy that you engage in as a hobby so that you stay balanced. If you do these things, then you can speak to that and you can help people help themselves by modeling what that looks like. Um, it's it's all in our day-to-day actions, whether or not we are taking care of our mental health, just like our physical health. Well, when you think about it, uh, we've had a tremendous, obviously, increase in drug abuse and addiction. That's probably just an offshoot and a symptom of mental health issues that are not being addressed. People are trying to find an answer, and unfortunately, they're going to chemicals to solve their yeah. problems. Yeah, it's a it's it's a vice, right? Mm-hmm. So people, a lot of people go, walk around every day with compounded stress on their shoulders because they don't have a creative, uh, they don't have an outlet, let's just say, to decompress and and remove some of the stress off of them. So it's just like anything; it's a vice, like alcohol and drugs and whatever other addictions are it's escapism, right? So if you don't adopt the healthy habits, the healthy vices in your life, like exercise and uh, hobby connection with friends, uh, stuff like that, then you are, or you're going to gravitate to another place where you can get relief and relief shows up in addiction. Yep. I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah, well, have me first. I'll have 11 years sober. And I, I had oh, to relearn yeah. how to live and relearn how to manage my emotions and everything that was all around um, and do it, have a positive outlet rather than uh, go straight to the bottle. Right. Mm. It took, it took a lot of time and a lot of effort. And you know what, even uh, I find after so many years of sobriety, I still, when I get overwhelmed that, that there's a little part of me that still says, Oh, you know, Kath, you could have a drink right now. I'm like, Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> You just mm-hmm. stop thinking like that right now, Missy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Michelle, you said that workplaces have made progress, which is excellent. Yes. Where can they improve? I mean, obviously, it's baby steps. And the pandemic really, maybe if there was anything good that came out of the pandemic, this brought mental health to the fore so that it can be addressed and people's needs can be met. Yeah. Um, I mean, just basic humanity. You want to help people. It's a it's a benefit to the companies, obviously, because they get better productivity. So there's a motivation there. But ideally, from the human aspect, people, when they feel appreciated, when they know that they have a supportive environment, it's just better all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people still feel like they're all alone in what they have on their plate. And it's very interesting. I I coach, I coach now roughly 50 people. It's a lot, but I hear so many common themes and that is many people feel like they're all alone. They feel like their situation is unique to them. And what companies, I think what, what companies can do is just think about what you're going to offer your staff to help themselves, right? When I say that, think about it. It's, it's definitely more than an 800 number, look away, go call the, the, you know, employee assistance line and get your support because people just won't, won't want to do that. And they also don't feel like it's confidential. So they probably will look the other way. Mm -hmm. It's more than a yoga class or a breath work class or a mindfulness class. Like having people sit through that is a great idea to expose them to concepts and ideas. But, you know, I think that people need more. 
Now, it doesn't have to be me, but it could be another coach. I think coaching is a brilliant way to reach people where they are because it's intimidating to get clinical care immediately because that that flags to you, I'm broken. A coach is someone who's going to help you along. And, you know, one of the things that I think works about coaching in general is that you really understand what people are dealing with and you work with them to create a plan and then they build a little bit of momentum and they remember what it's like to feel good and they keep going and then you realize sustained change. So if you really want to help your people, you got to help them help themselves because they just don't know. Most employees are so dedicated and that they sacrifice themselves for their job and they've forgotten what does it mean to take care of myself? Yeah. It's almost like we need to retrain people in some of the basic ways of caring for themselves. When you think about it, the past 15 years, we're so connected now with our phones. People are working at times, even at home, that they would never have been working. So, I mean, they're always on. That's got to aggravate a situation too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, one of the, the biggest challenges I'm always talking to people about are having having boundaries. And I mean, it's also mental boundaries, because even though some people might not be working when they're home, their minds are still on work. Yep. So it's, it's really the, having those boundaries so you can disconnect fully and give your chance, give yourself a chance to refresh and recharge. I use the analogy of like an Olympian Olympic athlete, an Olympic athlete doesn't run a race and turn around five minutes later and run another race. No, they take the time to decompress, to step away, to refresh themselves, because the next time they come back to the race, they're going to be even stronger. So, and more, you know, equipped to be able to run the race. So we have to really remind people of the importance of those, those boundaries and then having those outlets to decompress like women. Oh my gosh, I could say this over and over. And I think women, women need to hear this. There is no amount of one spa day that's going to undo six months of compounded stress. Mm -hmm. So so stop with the birthday massage. Stop with the once a year, I'm going to go to the spa and think that that's going to resolve it. Like we have got to be taking care of ourselves every single day. Yeah. And you know, like it, it starts with our mindset. It's I'll give you an example. Like at work, I just did 21 days, incredibly grueling, incredibly tough learning this dozer and stuff. And it would have been easy for me to go straight to bed after work and just say, that's it. You know, I've done enough. But I know that in order to continue doing all that I do, I need to physically take care of my, 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 my body, but my, also my mind. And in, um, so in our new gym, we have personal trainers that have, you know, all these suspension training classes, we got, uh, strength training, hit and core, we have boxing. So I make a point of after work, after my 13 hour shift in the mind, that's so brutal. I make a point of com- keeping my commitment. I sign up to a class. It's only like half hour, 45 minutes. And I attend that class because not only does it help me physically relieve the stress from the day, but it helps my, my, my brain. <laughs> it helps me decompress and appreciate my, me for who I am. And the fact that I'm actually embracing my own physical health, you know, and, and it helps me leaps and bounds, but it'd be easy to not go and make 10,000 excuses of why I shouldn't go, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I don't. And I, it, it makes all the difference in the world. And in everything that you've been saying, I mean, even with, with, you know, 
mental health in the workplace and, and the employers, um, you know, helping trying to change the way they their approach to their employees, it really does boil down to the employee reaching out and, and taking the hand that the employer is offering, right? Because the employer can only do so much. It has to be up to each and every one of us to recognize, okay, it's okay to not be okay, number one, but number two, that maybe I can use a lending hand. Maybe I can, maybe it's time that I do take care of myself. And it's, most people wait till it's almost too late. Like, like yeah. you know, so just if you can yeah. recognize the early signs of, of mental fatigue, I think that's the starting point. What are some of the early signs of mental fatigue? Yeah, I mean, it honestly, I think it it's all rooted in stress, right? Like, and it's it's awareness of your body, right? So many people are on the hamster wheel. It's awareness of how is stress showing up? Are you short with the people you love? Are you are you unable to sleep because you're laying in bed ruminating every night? You know, the stress is getting to you and compromising your sleep. Um, mm-hmm. And ma- is it manifesting in the physical body? Are you having chronic headaches? Um, you know, are you always sick? I think that if you're not who you know you can be, your best version of you, uh, that there's an opportunity to look in the mirror and say, what is it that I can do to get myself back to set point before, you know, I start sliding down the slippery slope toward burnout? Um, mm-hmm. But it, it all is rooted in self-awareness. Like, sure. what, am I getting what I need, what I know I need? Do you think employees- And I think it's harder in the workplace because people don't want to admit in front of their coworkers that they're having issues, right? They try and keep that white picket fence image all around and they don't. Yep. Right. I was going to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They, they don't want to mention it to anybody. So like going back to my example, by my taking the, the lead and going in front of my entire crew and saying, Hey, you know, I struggled with depression. I I had this, 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 and this happened to me. And this is what I've done. And this is the steps that I took. And here I am today. And, and it just enabled people, it empowered people to actually, you know what, well, she was courageous enough to talk about it, then I'll talk about it. So it just, it, it just opened up a door. So if, if people can find the, um, the the inner strength i guess and just talk about their own issues it, it really does make a difference in the workplace and we don't realize the ripple effect that it, it can create you know you're absolutely right going first can make a huge difference in how other people perceive mental illness and i would yeah. even take it a step further and say listen you don't have to disclose your own stuff. Just open a narrative about a, a celebrity who just came out or an athlete who just came out. Just start yeah. talking about it and normalizing it. You don't necessarily have to be as vulnerable as you were, but it, just opening the conversation can make a world of mm-hmm. difference. So people feel like, oh, wow, like we can talk about this. This isn't this isn't weird. Mm-hmm. And, and when it comes to leaders in the workplace, because we go through different uh, foremans every couple of years, you know, they got to they got to transfer different crews. And I've seen I've been there for 10 years and I've seen a variety of different uh, approaches to being a team lead. Well, I can tell you right now, the ones that are in front and being vulnerable enough to talk about their their kid who's sick or their wife that the, was dying of cancer or or whatever that you know they're having problems at home well that just makes 
the employees, the, the the listen listening, saying, "Oh man, okay." All of a sudden, he's human again. He's not just a leader. He's not just a a, a guy with a whip, <laughs> you know, trying to like you know get to work and do this and this. Oh my God, like he's got issues at home too. So it, it changes the the dynamics of if the leaders can be vulnerable as well. Sure. Yep. For sure. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, is building a positive image of trucking by telling the story of the hardworking drivers and industry professionals who support the industry. And you can be a part of it. Learn more about TMAF and how you can join and be a part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting TMAF's website at truckingmovesamerica.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our latest channel, TikTok. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. I think people are so afraid of being labeled and they're afraid they'll lose their jobs if they come yeah. forward and say, hey, I got a problem. It mm -hmm. isn't me. It isn't who I am in terms of what I can do for the company, but I got some issues here and I... I I think people think they're less than in their own minds. And I think that there's also, especially in like the United States with health insurance, people can say, well, I can't afford to go to a counselor, uh, which is where I hope it changes, where we we um, have insurance companies that are more generous with uh, the amount of uh, coverage that they have for counseling and things like that. So people can get that kind of help. Yeah, you you touched on a really important point of uh, self-stigma and and how our our own belief system around uh getting care reaching out for care that's one of the biggest barriers for people it's not you know organizations can offer things all day long but if somebody has that belief system similar to the unconscious bias of leaders that oh my goodness if i reach out then i'm weak um People got to, there, there's a lot of barriers between someone actually suffering and actually getting care right? We know the data. The data says that, you know, more than half, I believe, of people suffering never get care. Um, and self-stigma is one of the biggest things. So you have the external stigma, but you also have the self-stigma. So there's a lot of barriers. It takes courage to get help when you it think does. about it. It does. Mm -hmm. It does. And that's, see, but that's, so this is part of the problem, I think, with mental health. We charge it in it, it, it is still charged with the stigma. So you say mental health, mental illness, people, people just winch. They just don't even want to like be associated with the words. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's why my entire approach is, can we just preserve emotional well-being? Can we just boost resilience? And in doing mm -hmm. that, you're going to help yourself preserve your mental health. Um, so I think it is too in linguistics, like how we're talking about this. We need to move away from mental health, mental illness, because it's just too charged, you know, but then there's another school of thought where you got to call it what it is. Okay, fine. Call it what it is. But you know what, if it means people aren't getting care, then you still have people suffering in silence. So I'm, I'm like, I do not want to see people suffering in silence. I want to empower people around how they can take care of themselves because we all have more control than we like to believe when it comes to our brain health. And you're doing this with 
even children? Because that has gone through my head. Why don't we start when they're younger so that they can learn to help take care of themselves? You've got a program that you came up with called Perfect Just the Way You Are for Children. That's fascinating. It's interesting. That was in the early days of uh, the work that I'm now doing. And that was really geared to boost self-esteem and have children know how to nourish their mind and nourish their bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's powerful. We have a a lot of, you know, I mean, like kids struggle with confidence and, you know, bullying and all of it, you know, so we have to, we have to, but, you know, over the past two years in my private practice, it's fascinating. I've been working more and more with teachers because if you think about it, teachers are the ones that are in front of the kids. So we have to help our teachers. And so many teachers are struggling right now, struggling in their profession, considering leaving their profession. Um, They are dealing with a lot of kids with behavioral issues because of the pandemic, Um, challenging parents they're dealing with, the requirements from administration. So what I've been really focusing on is if you want to help kids, help teachers. So a large part part of my work is in supporting resilience coaching of teachers, um, because I do believe that they're the ones directly impacting our future generations. Mm -hmm. Teachers have a super challenging job today. They really do. They do, for sure. (laughs) You know, they have to take care of themselves. And in many cases, they have to take care of the kids who may be coming from abusive families and and they have needs. So, I mean, it, it isn't just teaching, it's being a parent in many ways. You know, we don't pay teachers enough. (laughs) Oh, that's a whole other story. Of course. (laughs) I know, right? They're only grooming our young minds for the future. (laughs) Right. That's kind of important. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it shapes who we are going forward. And you have to have the support system. Yes. No man is an island. Everybody working together in in a supportive environment. It's such a much better outcome. Yes, for sure. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your book, Breaking Into My Life. Can people purchase that online? And and what is that about specifically? Sure. Yes, it's available on Amazon. It's available um, Kindle and um, all that that good stuff. You can find it. Um, I wrote the book uh, after giving my TED Talk. I gave a TED Talk about my life growing up and caring for my bipolar mom. So anyone out there who has a loved one with a mental illness would appreciate the book. But then also it's just a story of perseverance and triumph over uh, challenge. So um, the whole idea was to really humanize the experience of what it's like to love someone with a mental illness and how that shaped me as a young girl, how it shaped me as a young adult, and then ultimately um, how I feel it really made me into the person that I am today doing the work that I'm doing today. Cause I would never be doing this work. I'm convinced if I didn't have my mom um, and that experience. So, so yeah, so it's really just a story of uh, what it's like to love and care for someone with a mental illness and then um, how to overcome. Cause we all have stuff like my stuff was my stuff from my childhood was, was a bipolar mom, but you might have a, a loved one who suffered from addiction or, You know, you might have other things. My point with the book is to have you realize that you can overcome the past and create your future regardless. That's powerful. Where do people find your book? Yeah, you can go to amazon.com and check it out. You can get a free chapter on my book website, which is breakingintomylife.com. I love what you're doing here, Michelle. 
Can people reach out to you if they want to have counseling or do you typically work with companies? How does that work? Yeah, I have a lot of individual clients um, and a lot of educator clients and corporate clients. I'm doing workshops, resilience workshops and people leader training. So if you're an organization and you want to really help your people leaders be more effective with leading their people in a post-pandemic world, I have that program. But then if you want to teach your individual, uh, if you want to teach your 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 staff how to be more resilient, what they can be doing every single day to boost their resilience. I have that program, but then I also uh, am on retainer for several companies as a coach, resilience coach that they offer to their, their staff. So um, I'll do that. I have a lot of people individually that I coach and then the teachers. Um, the best way to contact me is going to be through LinkedIn and you're going to be able to see all of my content and information there. So it's Michelle Dickinson, um, Michelle E. Dickinson on LinkedIn. And then I always uh, am putting out free resilience tips on TikTok under um, resilience coach, Michelle. I think it's just fabulous what you're doing. Honestly, it's just absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Um, Would you say, I'm just curious, would you say men have a harder time like then women to um, get the the party started, get the ball yeah. rolling in terms of uh, yeah. approaching mental health. Like I, it's really hard for me to to judge because I work all with men, right? Yeah, There's very yeah. few women, so it's kind of like, well, okay, it's a <laughs> I can't one or the other. What? Well, but coming from your perspective, yeah. what would you find is do they find men have a harder time than women? I mean, if I look at my data alone, I'd say 80% of my clients are female. Interesting. Yeah. You know, you know, here's the other thing. And I think we as women or people who have a loved one, that's a man, it doesn't have to be just a woman. If you care about someone who you suspect might be suffering, you know, there are things that we can be doing to support them. Um, First of all, there's a tremendous resource out there called mantherapy.org you should go check it out. It's hysterical and it helps men understand what this whole thing uh, about brain health is. And it also gives tips to women on how to support their men. Mm. That's a tremendous resource. And as women, we tend to want to like fix or like- Can you say that again? I got to write that down. Mantherapy.org? Man, M-A-N, therapy.org. Okay. Written down. I'm gonna check it out because it might be telling my coworkers, hey man, go check this out. For sure. Instead of man cave, go to your man cave. Yeah, go, go get go some man therapy. therapy. The videos are hysterical. <laughs> the videos are absolutely hysterical. I mean, there's it's a comedian, so it's it's gotta be entertaining, right? So Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. So that's cool. But then like as women, I think we underestimate the power of encouraging our men to connect. And not necessarily with us. So if you think that your partner or your your brother or your father or someone is struggling, they the biggest mistake is allowing them to isolate. So mm-hmm. encouraging them to hang out with their guy friends, encouraging them to just connect. It doesn't mean they're going to sit down and, you know, like us women and chat it up. It's the it's the connection. I learned this mm-hmm. from a therapist and who the therapist was like, if you want to help your your loved one encourage them to be social and connect and be around other friends of theirs, because that's very helpful. Yeah, that that makes total sense. This is good information. 
Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in northern Alberta, Canada. She's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life. She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry, our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of and join us on social media. Learn more at truckingmovesamerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. You are a wealth of information here, Michelle. And I really, like I said, I commend you for what you're doing. You're creating awareness. You're making a change in the workplace. It's it's about time. I, I really feel like mm-hmm. in many ways, companies were 100 years behind where they should be in terms of how they treated mental health issues. And mm-hmm. the fact that we're finally doing something and making progress, making that turn, it's got to help so many more people to have the courage to say, look, I got an issue. Because when you think about it, if somebody has an issue going into a job and the job stress is overwhelming, it's just going to make their mental health issue worse. So true. It's so Mm -hmm. true. Um, It it, it is absolutely the case. So we have to be, keep beating the drum of normalizing brain health. And I think we keep beating the drum of normalizing brain health and helping people understand that they have more control over their over their well-being and you know mitigating stress we're going to help people yeah absolutely you i i absolutely i can't even begin to say enough and or commend you and on, on doing what you do because it is so critical and so important and i i really see it just from my own workplace and the difference that um, our company has finally since COVID uh, instilled in, uh, I mean, we have little, little pamphlets now, little pocket ones, all everything's about mental health and make sure that, you know, you call someone and go see the counselor. She's on site and they, they really, really push. Um, well, we have a lot of people on stress leave, right? So mm-hmm. uh, that's, you know, absenteeism that doesn't, so they're trying to find, you know, how can we help you get better so you can come back to work? Well, here are those resources. But let me ask you this, Kathy, like, what about prevention? Like, I I feel like what so many companies are doing is kind of catching you when you're at the point or on the brink of disaster. But like, what are they doing prevention wise? Because I think that's where the golden opportunity is. 
Well, yeah. that's that's the whole thing. Uh, that's where they this whole went, went once COVID hit and they realized it was such a problem. Now that it's kind of binded in together, like sure they're they're saying okay, well here are the resources, but they're they're also talking about well to make it don't get don't let it get that far. So if you do have a problem, you know here here are the resources and right. um, you know they don't want it obviously to get that far. So they try and encourage you to go talk to someone. And we have um, they we sent get regular emails on a on our employee assistance program and what they have available to us. You know because they realize because especially like where we work we work. Um, it's now mostly fully autonomous mm-hmm. uh, trucks and it's very, very stressful and it's, it's very difficult. And so people, not only do they have problems at home, but you go to work and you got to be on the ball 13 hours a day. And it's, it's just, the stress is really high. So they're trying to make sure that the employees are, are, are aware enough and focused and on task so that, um, you know, you don't get killed at work because if one moment of inattention, if you're thinking of your problems at home, uh, you're going to get run over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So right. you know, they do, yeah. they do quite a bit um, in terms of, of helping. And I'm very, I'm very lucky to be working for the company. They're, they're amazing. Awesome. Yeah. You're amazing too, Michelle, with what you're doing creating this awareness, getting people to rethink things, helping people maybe deal with the stress. Because I think when you think about it, we are not taught as children growing up into adults how to handle stress. And stress today keeps changing. It gets faster and faster. We've got all these technological devices that make life easier. It also makes life a lot more stressful. People are constantly connected. They're looking at stuff on the internet saying, oh, I don't look as pretty as this person, and oh, I need to be doing this. You get the idea. you got to be on 24-7. So, And I don't think humans adapt well to sudden changes like that. Um, Our our society has really evolved very quickly in the past 20 years even. So true. It's so true. And I think, you know, we have to do a better job of just reminding people, how how do you get ahead of it? I mean, stress Mm -hmm. is a fact of life. I mean, Stress is a fact of life. It's yeah. how equipped and knowledgeable we are to be prepared to deal with that stress. You know, I, in talking to my teachers that I coach, I say to them, nobody is coming to save you. Nobody's coming around to say, let me take this from your plate so you can go take care of yourself. Like we have got to be relentless with the self-care so that we mm-hmm. can show up the best version of ourselves. And it's yeah. okay to say no once in a while, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No was the best word I ever learned. And yeah. I had to learn it when I was 40. I'm like, what? You mean I could say no? <laughs> yes, you can. Now I say it all the time. Uh, nope. <laughs> Not happening. And it's like, <laughs> nope. Like a lot of people say no is a full sentence. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'll contest to that. that. That would be a no, 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 and no. Uh-huh. <laughs> With an exclamation point. That's right. It's very empowering to say yeah. no. Uh-huh. And not give it, not give a reason as to why you're saying no. That's right. <laughs> as I heard somebody say, when you say yes to somebody else, you're saying no to yourself. So maybe sometimes mm-hmm. you need to reverse that. That's Very right. True. Very true. Thank you, Michelle. This has been super insightful. Where do people reach out to you again, just in case they weren't yes. totally listening? <laughs> Thank you again for having me. And thanks for all your accolades. It really does help me. It reminds me that I'm on track. So thank you. Um, LinkedIn, Michelle E. Dickinson's the best way to contact me. 
Well, keep awesome. up the good work. This is so needed. Thank you. Yeah. I Thank plan you. to. Thank you very, very much. It's been fabulous. Thank you guys for having me, for finding me and having me on. It's been a You're pleasure. You're very welcome. We appreciate it. We hope everybody's enjoyed this episode. And if you want to hear more episodes of Women Road Warriors or learn more about our show, be sure to check out womenroadwarriors.com. And please follow us on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at sjohnson at womenroadwarriors.com. <laughs>